This is Purple Sector, Helmut and Rye Guy on the mics. We're still on break, apparently. Yeah, the break <laughs> continued at Spa, and not for nice summer weather, but for a torrential downpour. For a deluge. Yes, remember, hit us up, 904-8PURPLE, that's 904-878-7753 to leave a voicemail or shoot us a text. You can also slide into our DMs at Purple Sector Pod on social media for future Mail box, 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 box segments. So, right guy, it was, uh, you know, we kind of blew it out in our preview, our Grand Preview for this race. We had the interview with Jessica, the creator of At Grand Prix Eats on Instagram. Yeah, everyone got all hyped up to pimp a really nice brunch for the race. Yeah, and I know that some of the listeners had some epic brunches planned and that they put on, and everything got washed out. So that is the beauty, oh, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the beauty of hashtag Formula Brunch is that even if the race isn't super entertaining or doesn't really happen at all, which was the case this past weekend, you've still got uh, all those delicious items to nosh on and, and swill. True. Very true. <laughs> it's a, It can be a savior on weekends like this. Yeah, turn into like a Super Bowl Sunday spread. Yeah. Know? And it was it was the focal oh. point compared to the race being the focal point. Yes. But yeah, sad to see. It was kind of like you said, the uh end of summer break is still we're still waiting for it and hopefully Zandvoort can deliver. It's still going. The only silver lining I think really to everything that happened this weekend is just thank God that this Grand Prix didn't happen heading into the summer break. Could you imagine how terrible that would have been. Yeah, it would have been a horrific buzzkill heading into a month off. So the good news is it's the beginning of a triple header. Despite how shitty this weekend was, we're going... Yeah, we're going to get to wash that taste out of our mouth yes. super quickly here. We're going but right to Zanvort next. There's speaking no- of a... How about a good taste in our mouths, Ryan? Let's jump into one of our favorite bits here. Helmut on Helmets. So, Ryan, Spa is quickly becoming one of the premier races for, uh, you know, custom and one-off helmet designs. Obviously, you have a lot of guys who pay tribute to Antoine Hubert, both with laying flowers at the site of his accident where he passed away. Right. And there are just some a bunch of other reasons that guys like to class it up for that. So... Yeah, you were busy this weekend as yeah. far as the helmet deliveries. Sonoda, Gasly, and Leclerc had uh, one-off helmets for this race weekend. Theirs were mainly tribute helmets to Antoine Hubert for obvious reasons. They raced with the guy and against the guy and were good friends with him. Yep. So theirs were 
nothing like crazy, just kind of a different color scheme and pattern kind of thing going on. It didn't strike me as like anything insane when it comes to radical design. I don't know what you thought about uh, about their their lids. Nothing, nothing too exotic, but yeah. it's always nice to see a, a different color scheme or you know from switch from matte to metallic or whatever. Yeah. And then you have Max Verstappen. Any of these European races, obviously Zandvoort, I assume he'll probably wear the same helmet. Hopefully he goes even more bonkers with it. But a lot of the European races, Max likes to take his helmet and basically go orange chrome across the entire thing. He just keeps the same design, but just tosses a ton of orange to uh, show some love for the hashtag orange army. Yeah, I thought his helmet was awesome. Very chrome. Yeah, I mean, and I love it. Stuck out behind the halo, which is always amazing. Yeah, and I loved seeing Ryan the uh, the fans that were there. Obviously, a ton of Orange Army uh, militants in the stands. Whenever there was any glimmer of a chance that they might go racing, all the flares got popped, and you just <laughs> you just had clouds of orange flare smoke. Yeah, standard. Yeah. Apparently, Zanvort has put some language in their policy about trying to curb some of the orange flares in Zanvort. Yeah. Good luck with that. Because you won't be able to see at Zanvort, is my guess. It'll be worse visibility than Spa just because of the Orange Army popping flares. Well, I wish them luck in that endeavor. It sounds like it's going to be tricky. They're yeah. going to be checking dudes' buttholes at the gate for flares. Oh, flares are going to be in every orifice for all the spectators going to Zanvort this weekend. So, Ryan, the other one that I really liked, it's sad it got rained out and we didn't get to celebrate as much, but... Mikhail Schumacher made his debut at Spa back when he starred in Formula One. So Mick Schumacher, his son, had a tribute helmet to his father. Tribute helmet, I think it's an helmet, yeah. to his father uh, for the his first race in Formula One at Spa where his father made his debut. And I thought it was clean yeah. as hell. So it looked he, awesome. He matched sort of what his father had on the crown of the helmet, which is the same same thing that Mick has, you know, that sort of like starburst spray paint yeah. look that he has on the uh, top of it. Didn't Mikhail have it? That's how he marked his championships was like how many star burst things were on the top of the I, helmet. I believe so. Because we all know check. Hamilton does the stars along the sides of the helmet. And I think Mikhail did on the crown of the helmet. So Mick, it was a nice helmet because his helmet now is very neon and kind of like clashes. But the replica or the tribute helmet to his father was more simple German flag. Right. You got the gradient German flag across the back of the helmet, wrapping around the rear of the helmet. The Under Armour sponsor really popped a lot more. It seemed to be further forward or at least pops more on the, the white compared to what it usually is on the neon base or whatever. Yeah. And he, look at that wicked arrow fin he has on the back of his helmet. It's crazy. Yeah. I think uh, for my money in Helmut on Helmets, I think Mick gets the the tip of the helmet for the best design this weekend just because of how much depth goes into that whole story you know obviously what's going on with his father we've got that that uh netflix documentary looming as well so a ton of cross promotion and uh honorary uh design in mick schumacher's helmet yeah i like mix and i like yuki's the best out of out of all the helmets we saw yeah so hopefully we get more as we mentioned we're hoping max goes even above and beyond his orange helmet that he was rocking this weekend at Zandvoort. Maybe Max's helmet 
and Zanvort will literally just be an orange. It'll be an oversized orange. That'll be a good bit. Like with, have the dimples and the, <laughs> the stem on the top and everything. That'll just be awesome. Pure orange, baby. Orange crush. <laughs> so yeah, that's Helmut on helmets. Mick gets the uh, gets the hardware, gets the nod here. Helmut on helmets. So Mick, there's plenty to talk about despite not having a race on Sunday. Yeah, we can get into the action from practice and qualies, obviously, and then sort of the disaster of uh, Sunday. Yeah, so there was some big breaking news heading, heading into the weekend. It comes as no surprise to anyone, really, but Fernando Alonso got extended another year with Alpine. That was the big news heading into the weekend. And then during the weekend was when Checo was confirmed that he was extended for next season? Yes, which <laughs> so we'll the get, silly season is yeah. starting to crank up. Things are starting to clear up, but they're still pretty crazy as far as the driver's seats. And then I think after the race was that when Toto said he's made his decision regarding who will be Hamilton's teammate, but he's not going to announce it until basically he gets Russell and Valtteri into whatever Formula One seats he wants them in next year. Right. And so we'll, basically both of them are going to have their future secured before he announces. Yeah, we'll get into all the rumors next episode because the rumors are fucking swirling. They're flying around. It's getting ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of names that we enjoy are being thrown around now too, kind of popping up. And some that we don't enjoy. <laughs> oh, for sure. I know okay. everyone is always rooting for Hulkenberg to get back in our... Uh, you know, the, the relief pitcher that we saw a couple times last season during the COVID craziness. Right. But yeah, we'll have to do a deeper dive into the silly season here as more of those ugly, that ugly bag of snakes gets laid out straight for us. Yep. So let's get into some of the best things that happened during the pre-race press conference. It's always fun. That Thursday press conference, a lot of shenanigans when they interview the drivers. Um, Yuki Sonoda admitted that the first time he drove a car was when he was eight years old and that it was highly illegal. How can he drive a car now? Like, he's so short. He would need the problem child, like, block on his, his shoe to be able to reach the pedals. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it was much different when he was eight. How much different do you think Yuki looked when he was eight versus now? He looked exactly the same, probably just more hair. I'm sad that he cut a lot of his hair off to enter this season, but I imagine the same hair he had before joining Formula One, and just much smaller, which seems hard to fathom. That's true. Probably wasn't that different. Uh, next, Charles Leclerc mentioned that Mykonos was full of F1 drivers during the break, as we highlighted in our summer breakdown episode. Yeah, so there were other guys who poked into Mykonos, it sounds like. Yeah, and Charles said that they all kept running into each other. Quote, half of the grid must have been in Mykonos. So if you were just a regular person who, who was lucky enough to be in Mykonos over the summer break for the, for the drivers, you probably ran into a ton of them. Yeah, like we said, though, you I would probably love to know. weren't going to the same venues because we were theorizing right. that they probably get G'd up by all the tourist boards for these countries. Yeah, so but they probably get a crazy red carpet rolled out for them and go to all these ridiculous resorts and venues. But you never know. I'm sure there were some great instances of uh, people running into F1 drivers like somebody probably saw George Russell buying a pack of cigarettes or something like right. that. Right. Well, we we got into the scandal of what, Lando Norris talking to a girl that everyone was butthurt about? Yes. <laughs> Plus, Twitter, it's, tough, it's tough to run into somebody when they've rented a massive yacht. It's very difficult to run into well, somebody I think that on was, their yacht. 
Well, the yacht doesn't pull up to the bar. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying they're all, a lot of the time they spend, I think, on these massive yacht rentals and boats and stuff. Unless yes. it's Lance Stroll, who was the winner, the king of summer break. Right. You know, He's busy he was on out. some tourist boat with a bunch of other people. We saw people walking on the edge of the video of him making out with his girl. So maybe people were running into him while he was uh, playing a little tonsil hockey. He is Canadian, so he definitely loves his hockey. Yeah. I, w- I would just love to know if anyone had a, a funny run-in with an F1 driver in Mykonos. If you're listening... <laughs> right, hit up the mailbox, box, box. If you, were, if you were in Mykonos in the last three to four weeks or you live in Greece, you're one of our Greek listeners, let us know if you saw, you know, Lando Norris playing shuffleboard or Charles Leclerc eating a burrito somewhere. Just let us know. Well, we know that Lando would be the one eating the burrito. He had that Mexican meal. He That's loves true. the Mexican cuisine. Maybe he eats he was, more Mexican food than Sergio Perez, it sounds like. Maybe he was eating a gyro because it was Mykonos. That's true. Probably killer yiddos there. Uh, also, let's move on here. Fernando Alonso. I found this interesting, mode. He stated that he was told at Le Mans that he was not allowed to push the F1 car around the track. But he mentioned that he thinks an F1 car could easily do a sub three-minute lap. So for context, the pole position time for this year's 24-hour of Le Mans was three minutes and 23 seconds. Uh, Will Buxton then went on to tweet, mentioning that he heard the Alpine F1 car could do a two-minute and 44-second lap on the simulator. Yeah, that was the simulation was basically a minute quicker. So if you ever wanted some validation of how fast F1 cars are compared to all these other top series, there you have it. It could potentially do a 244 when the pole position lap was a 323. That's pretty wild. (laughs) It's insane. That's wild that Alonzo couldn't push. I mean, how hard I mean, must that be for to. a guy like him, you know? Yeah, I wonder what that means, though. Like, not pushing, is that is, it, is he giving it 75% around the track? What, what, what does that mean? He did, though, complete a full lap not yeah. pushing, right? He just did one lap around and into the pits. He did a lap, and then when he completed the lap, they had all the other Alpine cars, like the road cars, the classic cars, and their possibly even their entry in the race this year. And they all did like a fly formation lap together. Yeah, big French advertisement Just at Le Mans. Just a big French circle jerk. We love it. Yeah. Anything else from the pre-race interviews, that's, pre-weekend interviews? That's it. That was the fun stuff before the weekend just got absolutely crazy. Yeah, so then we head to the practice sessions, Ryan. The practice sessions were kind of wild as well. A lot of incidents in, in the practices yeah, let's talk about Kimmy for a second. Yeah, so free practice one. <laughs> Before you talk about what happened to him, I just want to preface this by saying I've kind of been planting the seeds that he should retire based off of some of the things that well, You want him to retire, just you mean at the end of the year. We all think he will, right? Or that Alfa Romeo will go in another direction now that they have more autonomy with their driver lineup. All I'm saying is... You want is, him to like retire before the end of the season? No, 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 no. I'm saying this is going to be his last year in F1. Yes, I think we're all in agreement on that. So here's the deal. If you if you think back, okay, in Portugal, he ran into his own teammate on the straight because he was looking down at the wheel. Yeah, he admitted afterwards, I was paying too much attention to the steering wheel, right? And that's what led him to just drift right into Giovinazzi. Yeah, let's start with that, okay? Then he had just a mind-boggling shunt with Sebastian Vettel at the on the last lap of the race in Austria, Okay. Now we have this in Spa. Why don't, you, why don't you let the listeners know what happened? Yeah, he. I believe it was going back into the pits during the first practice session, and he basically clipped the pit entry wall. 
Yes, in practice. Yeah. A lot of guys made a meal of practice this I th- weekend. Yeah, I think it's time to go, though, for old Kimmy. I, I love the guy. Everyone loves t- Kimmy to an extent, but uh, I think it's time we get a, a younger butt in that seat. Yeah, it's too bad, as we mentioned, that he's not one for fanfare and pageantry. Like, during the, the rain delays, he, he was, just, like, sitting with his rain jacket on, the hood up, just staring at the wall, basically. He was sitting in, like, Red Bulls. Yeah, just sitting in whatever... Home cover he could find in a folding chair just staring at the wall but yeah i don't think any of us doubt that he will likely be forced to retire because we can't see anyone signing him outside alfa romeo and that would be called being forced to retire by yeah, the by the f1 community retire yeah but the sloppiness wasn't just there clipping the pit wall by Raikkonen in the second practice session ryan you had leclerc and verstappen in basically the same spot go into the barrier Yes, yeah, same corner, different offs though. Leclerc a little too heavy on the uh, accelerator, it seemed exiting. Yeah, and did did you start thinking and wondering and worrying? Was this was Red Bull just going to be falling to pieces here? Like we we mentioned, it took two races before the summer break for Red Bull to, you know, give up their entire sizable lead they had in both championships and trail both heading into the break. And then you have Verstappen in practice going into the barrier. Um, I didn't think it was going to be a mess for them. They've, they've always seemed to bounce back from some of these horror shows. Like when Max put it in the wall it, at Silverstone and they fixed was or was it Hungary last year? Right. Hungary, I think. I think it was. Anyways, they fixed it in time. Uh, that Their mechanics are amazing, as we saw later in the weekend with Sergio's car. Yeah, let's just touch on now while we're on Red Bull because... <laughs> It wasn't even the formation lap or anything like that. Just the lap around to get the car to the grid before the anthem and all that stuff. And Sergio completely loses it and has no traction and slides into the wall, breaks the front right, yes. um, you know, like arm of his entire suspension and everything. Yeah, Sergio said, "Thanks for the new contract, and here's me putting the car into the wall as a congr- as a thank you." Right, which was a huge hit. You know, once we figured out how the race would go, because he drops himself all the way out, where they retire retire the car. They basically announce that he's not going to run, but then all of a sudden they have hours to work yeah. on the car. <laughs> and so they holler back at the stewards and Michael Massey, and they're like, uh, "So, um, we're thinking about throwing Sergio back into this race." Yeah, uh, <laughs> since the race hasn't started, right? Oh man, we'll get into all that mess later. Um, so but yeah, the you, coolest, there was a cool, can I, can I just answer your question? Your original yeah. question. So you were asking if I thought it was like teetering on a knife's edge for Red Bull this weekend, like disaster looming. I didn't really have that sense because they always seem to get things done, but it's just a mess throughout the process. Like that's the big difference for me between Red Bull and Mercedes is the Mercedes garage seems like such a calm, efficient atmosphere and Red Bull it's like a more protagonist's environment where, like, you know everything's going to get done, but it's going to be stressful. That's what I was just thinking, too. Like, Red Bull mechanics are the busiest guys, along with Michael Masi in Formula One. They're constantly having to rebuild cars in 10 minutes. They're busy getting, like, 1.8 second pit stops. They must just yeah. drill pit stops all day, every day. And, yeah, their two drivers are constantly creating these issues for the mechanics. Yeah, it's just a much sweatier approach for Red Bull, right? Same result for the most part as Mercedes, but Mercedes goes about their business in such a calmer, more efficient way, it seems. Yeah, and that's where 
a lot of times in sports, you kind of don't appreciate the people who are consistent and you know what what Mercedes does when they make it look easy. You, you forget tend about to kind it. of yeah. forget or discount take the accomplishments and take it for granted, right? And so you think, well, it's just so easy for Mercedes, but it's it's everything. It's the whole procedures and processes they have in place. They and, make it easy through right, process. They exactly. make it easier for themselves with the way they manage the team. But obviously, Red Bull, a lot of it comes down to the drivers and potentially the the car being difficult to drive, right. <laughs> as indicated by the fact that no second driver, aside from Max and Ricardo when he was there, can really get grips on the Red Bull since Max has been there. That's true. So, Mil, we saw a ton of driver eye camera from Yeah, this Alonzo. was the coolest thing in the practice session. They obviously were waiting to unleash this after the summer break. Hopefully, we get more of it. And I really want it to bounce around, right? We want every race. I mean, you have 20-plus races. We could have a weekend or at least practice sessions where you get to see an eye camera for every a helmet cam for every driver throughout the season i'm surprised it's taken this long they've been fucking with this technology for so long i remember paul DeResta wearing it in like monaco years ago just think about how long ago that was that pdr was in a car i would have loved to see it during that rain get that real sense for what it's like in those rooster tails i don't know if you would have seen anything yeah but that's exactly what i want to see the nothing that they have to see yeah, that's that's the F1 future I want. And soon I want to be able to put on a VR headset and just go into Alonzo's eyes and watch the race from his eyeballs. Yeah, just let us climb in his Sign head. me up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> if if Lewis Hamilton takes a bathroom break waiting for the race to start, I want to be in his eyeballs going into the bathroom with him. Yeah, you can't take that helmet cam off. If you're wearing it, it's got to be on the entire race weekend. We need to see you partying afterwards, see yes. what you're eating, see uh, the bathroom breaks, see you know what your, your sleeping arrangements are like. We want I, the full immersive VR experience. I want a POV of Lewis walking Roscoe and picking up his duties with a poop bag. Yeah, or just leaving him there in front of Valtteri's trailer. Yeah, that too. <laughs> or just sprinting away from Roscoe's poop in front of a... Valtteri's trailer yeah so Ryan we were we had our eyes all over the weather forecast for this weekend we were excited that it looked like a wet quality there was a chance of a wet race we always yeah, implore, everyone's gonna rethink the rain dance now yeah we we always talk about yes wet race and we ask you guys to do the rain dance get your rain sticks out and it worked great for qualifying we had a very, very intense qualifying session <laughs> Yeah, intense is the right word. Yeah, but then everyone kept dancing a little too much, it seems, because Sunday was a deluge, a downpour. Yeah, let's stick with Quali for a second here because it was full of surprises. Yeah, so Quali started off, you know, sort of the teaser for Sunday. We had a rain delay on the start of Quali. I don't think people really understand how fast Lando was before his wreck. I mean, he was schooling the field. Yeah, he led both Q1 and Q2, didn't he? Max in Q1, Max was the only guy outside of Lando to dip into the 158s, and Lando was still like five tenths quicker than him, four tenths. Yeah, and the fact that Ricardo was able to qualify fourth, I think Lando might have cakewalked to pole position had he not wrecked out at the beginning of the third session. Yeah, I think Lando easily had the best chassis and command of his chassis out there in quali. Obviously, not on that lap where he was pushing a little too hard. 
when Vettel was screaming for red flags. Yeah. But uh, we'll never know, though. That's just the way F1 goes. She's a cruel mistress. Yes. I, I mean, we do like... We like wet races, wet qualies, because it can shake things up. Teams can take chances, like Williams, where Williams basically said, we're looking at the radar, we're just going to go complete wet setup, and they're able to extract that insane lap for George Russell. Yeah, and that's kind of what started shaking things up in quali right away. In Q1, you had both Alfa Romeos not make it out of Q1 because both the Williams were just too quick. Yeah, both Williams made it through to Q2. Yuki Sonoda also another letdown at some point ryan you're gonna have to start getting out the belt and giving him some spanks on his but i like yuki buttocks yeah we like him we're rooting for him but we're not getting enough flashes of brilliance we're getting too many spins in practice i don't think you understand what i'm saying yuki is incapable of disappointing me so you can try as much as you want but i like yuki no matter what he's like my son i accept him in any way yes you're there to support him Warts and all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Q1 was hectic, as we mentioned. Sonoda out. Both Williams made it through. Uh, going on to Q2, Rye Guy. We don't even need to men- – you weren't even going to mention that both Haases also did. I mean, it's it's an <laughs> assumption. Yeah. If Trust me. If they made it through, we would make sure to make a note of it because it's a very unexpected result if that happens. Right. But this is the time when they should be making it through, right? Like – Get that airtime and potentially roll the dice like Williams did. Just go full wet. Just go all in. What do they have to lose? But they're just so timid sometimes, these teams at the back. Well, not Williams this time. Uh, Q2. Who were your surprises for Q2? Charles Leclerc got knocked out. Both Ferrari got knocked out of Q2. Alonso and Lance Stroll were out in Q2. And we have some great audio from Lance Stroll. Should we play the Lance Stroll yeah, meltdown? So the worst, but Lance had a very good sector one time that had some promise for him getting a good lap in at the end. But they fucked up their timings. He missed the window. So this is the reaction Lance had on the radio. You need to go anyway, Lance. You need to go now. Go now. Go now. No time for waiting. Go now. Oh, we missed that, Lance. Missed it. Delta, keep it negative. Oh man, that was such bullshit. Box this lap, box this lap. Unfortunately, that's P15, Lance, P15. Yeah, no shit, we didn't do a second lap on the tires. Copy that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Oh man, that's actually, you know, we always talk about how Lance always seems extremely mellow. That's that's the more amped up Lance right there. Yeah, I like that. Usually it's just the chill surfer dude. Fucking surfing. Yeah, not this time around. Yeah. He's pissed. It must be that makeout session, you know? He's got so much testosterone raging through his body now after making out all summer break and earning the king of summer break moniker from Purple Sector, and the guy's on one now. Yes, can't wait to see what comes next in Zandvoort. Speaking of on one, I mean this is obviously a very unique race weekend where it was just wet and crazy and everything. But you have to dock your cap to Aston Martin, Ryan. They were very much on the back foot at the beginning of the season after the regulations, and we talked about how they said they've basically replaced every visible component on the car, or at least tried to upgrade and update. It's a new car. Yeah, and you have Vettel out there just doing amazing things in an Aston Martin that was nowhere at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, 
who knows how it would have played out this weekend if we actually had a race. But I, I, I would have thought Vettel would have done really well because he is pretty good in the rain. So same yeah. with Lance. That is also what we enjoy about wet races, wet qualifying, is getting to see. You know, a lot of people always point to the fact that in the wet, the driver matters new, so much more. New heroes emerge right. when you race in the wet. And some guys kind of disappointed that have typically be, been uh, rainmeisters, right? Like S- Carlos Sainz, I know, is very much a rainmeister. I've heard interviews where he talks about how he would always race in the rain when he was younger. You know, his dad would throw him out there and make him do it because he was like, you're going to have to learn how to feel the car under you and handle it in the wet. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Ferrari chassis was doing well at Spa this weekend. We'll never know, you know, what it would have looked like in the race, but I didn't get the sense that Charles or Carlos were, you know, particularly comfortable at any point this weekend. Charles wrecked it in a practice session. Obviously, we mentioned that earlier. Yeah, it and shouldn't be. This is a massive power circuit, man. Right. Yeah, and they they seem to have gotten a lot of power back, and they balanced out the entire sh- chassis. So right. But yeah, Q3, Ryan, this is where the fireworks really, really, really start. We've already had a bunch of fireworks, as we mentioned, but raining even harder in Q3 at the beginning. Vettel and Norris, I believe, are the only ones on track. Norris is out in front. Vettel's on the radio saying they should red flag this. This is, you know, awful conditions, undrivable. Then you have Lando, who's champing, chomping at the bit to... uh, to get that pole position after flying in the first two qualifying so, rounds. This is what I don't understand, okay? I, it should have been red flagged, obviously. Vettel was right. Um, yeah, hindsight, 2020. But even on his outlap, so you have those comments on Vettel's outlap over the radio saying, it's way too wet, red flag, red flag. Then wasn't you have, Lando complaining about hydroplaning and stuff? Yeah, then, then Lando is almost done with his outlap, and he gets on the radio and says, yeah, lots of aquaplaning everywhere. But then he goes and pushes his ass off up a rouge on the flyer. Like, I thought he would have dialed it back or they would have called him in or something. Right. Make it sort of a sighting lap. Because when you're on the intermediate or the wets, it's not as much a one lap shootout, right? You could run that entire session depending on fuel. You could just keep running. Right. Exactly. But also, you have to give some props to Martin Brundle because they, for some reason, I don't know why they, it's such a great sight either from behind going up a rouge and radion and all that right that you went to the helicopter shot watching them come through but the helicopter shot is behind the trees so you see lando climbing up the hill and the helicopter shot becomes obscured by trees but martin brundle's already saying i think he's got i think he's gone off there he because goes, he, he goes, could just see his off? line yeah and then you you just start seeing shrapnel and and, and then all this cut. debris and they lando cut. spinning they cut to a new angle of Lando's car doing like a thousand RPM spinning. Yeah. And, and it was messy. Yes. And then Vettel hears it on the radio and asks if he's all right and basically he becomes the medical car. He's bitching about, I told you guys. He drives up to Lando's shell of a, what's left of his McLaren. Yeah. Make sure he's and okay. Goes for the thumbs up and everything to check on him. And we have another red flag. Finally, the red flag that Vettel wanted. Um, in Q3 with the rain. Right. So then we got a long break. Thankfully, Lando's okay. He was... It looked like he fucked up his left arm. He was really gripping yeah. his forearm and wrist. I, I When you put saw money, the onboard, there wasn't anything that looked like he really got tossed around, but when he jumped out of the car, he was kind of holding it 
with like a like he used his right arm like it was a sling holding his left arm. Right, and that tells you a lot because like in that moment when he gets out of the car, his body is just. He just has so much adrenaline coursing through his veins at that point. So for him to grab a body part and, and like signal pain lets you know that it is really painful despite the adrenaline. Yes. Oh, so yeah. that's what You're I told You're feeling pain there because usually that's where you can run through walls with broken legs <laughs> exactly. and stuff. And that's what I told myself. I was like, oh, fuck. He definitely broke his wrist or something if he's grabbing it already. And uh, fortunately, that was not the case. Lando's bulletproof. Yeah, so after Lando and after they clean everything up and we get back out there in Q3, it just becomes the George Russell show, right, guy, Mr. Saturday. And George Russell goes out there and just scorches it with an insane lap. And yeah. he's all the way at the top. Everyone was so busy looking at the sector times for Lewis and for Max. Meanwhile, Martin Bruno's like, hang yeah, he's on. He's like, wait, Russell just did you know half Russell, a second quicker in the first sector. Russell, purple sector in one. Purple sector in two. Yeah. He was on provisional pole, and then, of course, somebody had to steal it. That man was Max Verstappen. And I think it was just like three-tenths or something that Max got pole position from George. Uh, Yeah, three-and-a-half-tenths. Yeah. This would have been, George, now that we know... George George beat Lewis by one one-hundredth. Yeah, now that we know what happened on Sunday... How insane would it have been if George Russell won the race in the Williams? It was totally on the cards position. with yeah. the way that chassis was behaving um, and the, and how he was driving it. But I just I'm bitter that we just I was looking forward so much to that opening lap and turn one and then the Kemmel straight. Uh, because just imagine if George gets Max in a turn one, or imagine if uh, Hamilton or George have a bad start and you have George and Lewis going wheel to wheel. That just would have been fucking fireworks. Man. Yeah, that was really what I was excited to see is George has basically made it impossible for Toto to say, yeah, George needs to stay he, at he Williams, right? Like that debate is over, right? He, he can't be ignored. And you saw a lot of this on Twitter. It popped into my head as well. It was, you know, that old saying, if you can't beat him, join him. Well, how about if you can't join him, beat him? Yeah. That's what George is doing. That's what he did. So I think everyone's mouth would hit the floor if Toto says, yeah, Valtteri's coming back to Mercedes. Like, if you're George, at some point... That could still happen. Yeah, I agree. But if, if you're George and that happens, you have to throw your hands up and be like, okay, what what's going on here? What do I have to do? You know? I agree. It's It would be... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it would be such a shame if George is in a Williams next year. Yeah, but that's what I wanted to see on Sunday was... How would George react to Lewis Hamilton next to or behind him at the start of that race, right? Would he start, you know, would Toto basically say, hey, look, you're coming next year, but that means you got to lay down for Lewis at the start of this race? I don't think there would have been any any incidents. Oh, I don't think there would have been an incident because Ger- he already had that incident with Valtteri earlier I think George year. learned his lesson after Imola. With, with Toto's comments publicly about George has no business going wheel-to-wheel with a Mercedes and all that, I think he got the message loud and clear. Oh, yes, but you can't discount, as you were mentioning, Lando after the accident, the adrenaline and everything once you go racing. And I just wanted to see how George would react there, you know, if it would smack of basically team-to-team orders or if he Who would knows? race fair and square but hard. I think if, if, if it's late in the race and George is still in contention to win it, he races Lewis hard. 100 percent yeah he's not going to lay down his first f1 victory because lewis might be in the way and that's a conflict of interest via toto 
I think he fucking goes for it. But yeah. turn one, lap one, I agree. He's cautious. So is there anything else you want to get into on qualifying, Ryan? We were all standing up on our couches with that insane performance by George. Looking forward to Sunday race day. Yeah, happy for George. Um, very happy that Lando's okay because if he had broken something, this is the beginning of a triple header. He could have been eliminated from three races, man. That would have been disastrous. Right. So let's summarize qualifying because <laughs> you it's hard to believe, but you actually had some movement up and down the order on a basically formation lap race on Sunday. Ricardo so P4? What was the qualifying? Run down the qualifying. We already mentioned Max Pole. Let me just George give you your top P2, 10. Let me Hamilton give you your top, top 10. Max on pole, George P2, Lewis P3, Daniel Ricardo P4. Very impressive. Very impressive. Seb Vettel P5, also impressive. Yeah. Gasly P6, He's all, he is Mr. P6. Yeah. But as we mentioned, Ryan, the cream tends to rise to the top for the most part in wet conditions. And all these guys you're running down are people that everyone always likes to tout as some of the best pure drivers on the in the Formula One grid, right? Yeah. Agreed. Sergio Perez P7. Valtteri Bottas, P8. Um, I guess Before that's good. the five-spot penalty that g- he was already carrying into this weekend from his bowling games in Hungary. Yes, yes. I guess that's good for him in the wet, though, P8. Right. <laughs> um, P9 is Esteban Ocon. P10, Lando Norris, because he did not participate in Q3. Right, he made it in, but then never put up a time, so he was 10th in the final qualifying session. Right, so that grid was awesome. Despite not getting a race, hell of a grid, amazing qualifying. Yeah, mixed up grid, a lot of people out of position, which always tends to give you a fantastic race. Yes. So let's go to Sunday here. Yeah. Let's Some quickly pre-race stuff. We let's have to get into. Yeah, go for it. So more numerology, right, guy? Danny Ricardo's two hundredth Formula One race. That's a lot. Big number. He was but on it, the but radio, it, but it wasn't. But it was right. But it wasn't. It classifies as. <laughs> Maybe it's his 199 and a half Formula One race, right? If you get half points, does it not only count as a half race? I think it should totally count as a half race. So he, uh, of course, is having fun with it. He's on the radio before the race (laughs) where he's saying, like, I don't know if you guys heard, but this is my 200th uh, Formula One race. Kind of a big deal around here. Yeah. So he's he's, uh, sort of the opposite of Kimi, but not, you know, really going nuts about the numbers, but kind of making a joke and having fun with it, I guess. 200 races for Danny Rick. Very impressive. And impressive, as we said, that he finally, his best qualifying result in the McLaren fourth place. Yeah. Hopefully. When his teammate would have likely been on pole. Right. That's true. The other thing, Ryan, it's obviously raining all Sunday leading up to the race. And I thought it was funny. All the teams obviously set up the quick little tent canopy things over the cars on the grid but it's tough with how big these formula one cars have gotten to cover the whole car so a lot of times you have you know rain dripping off the canopy or the nose cone is out of the canopy getting wet and i noticed some of the mechanics and stuff were basically using like kleenex and tissues to try and wipe the moisture and the rain off the nose cone which does nothing there's no absorption i think that was more of a look busy you know, like a lot of right. the times mechanics are just doing busy work. They're like, look busy. The cameras are on us. Look busy. Yeah. So the, while the mechanics are doing busy work and just wiping rain with Kleenex off of any surface they can find, 
Right. I noticed the ominous delay hits where the start is already pushed back. We haven't even gone off on time. Yeah. And who didn't see that coming? The rain was ridiculous at that point. Um, I do want to point out real quick. I noticed this when they were kind of showing the garages and stuff, you know, when the drivers were hanging out, killing time in the Alpine garage, they had the Hungarian trophy from the previous race chilling on a shelf for everyone to see for a little extra yeah, motivation. that's the motivation. Come on, guys. I love it. Let's fill this shelf out a little more. I fucking love it. So when the race got delayed, there was like a... a this is also funny. There was a brief pause between uh, Crofty and Brundle, and it was like this long shot of the grid and all the umbrellas, and it was just pissing rain. You could see the rain coming down. And uh, Brundle just goes, I don't think I've ever seen such a consistently miserable Grand Prix weekend than this one as far as the weather. Yeah. And he's seen some shit. He's raced in horrific conditions. It was nonstop. It was like a hurricane had hit there. You know, we've got the hurricanes coming through the States now. It was just constant sideways, thick ass rain where when they showed a lot of those camera shots, it was just a little waterfall river going down the elevated parts of the track at Spa. Right. Right. Yeah. It was, it was pretty miserable. Feel for the fans, definitely. Yeah. So you have the delayed start, then you have the formation lap, and then another sort of sighting lap, which I guess didn't start the clock. No. But it would have counted against the total laps they would run. Because, Let's not even get into it. Let's right. not even get into it. It's just all the, uh, there's all these weird permutations, and they just kept delaying, 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 delaying. Red one flag. thing became abundantly clear throughout all of this, and it's that formula one and the fia they don't have a solution for that type of scenario that happened on sunday yeah they currently don't andreas seidel had sort of the joke i guess where he was quoted afterwards when he was asked about and he said the only way to ever avoid washouts rainouts whatever like this if you have these conditions is to race indoors so basically like there's nothing you could do about this right and i know everyone's pissed because there was no race and you know the fans should get their money back and everything but i just want to reiterate how rare this is like basically what happened on sunday is like never happened before to that extent with that few laps where you never have any running basically yeah they just basically were up against the clock and said we just need to go out do two laps bank half points classify it as an event so everyone gets paid and it you know is official and then we'll get the hell out of here. Because they didn't even wait for that full hour. They well, cut it with like 30-some-odd minutes left on the clock. My theory is that I think the dangers of Eau Rouge and everything that had happened previously. Yeah, this track, it's very difficult, I think, with the speeds and the corners. Sa- safety was weighing heavily on Michael Massey this weekend because we had a really bad 6-7 car pileup in, in the W Series Yeah, basically Saturday. every support series had a huge accident. Huge pileup going up through Eau Rouge with the W Series. Then you had Lando's off, which was very scary. And then immediately after Formula One's qualifying, you had Formula Three also getting a big pileup in the same section. So all three wrecks happen on that same piece of racetrack. And I think that was weighing heavily on Michael Mossy. That's why we didn't have any racing. Maybe they could have raced. Probably not. We'll never know. They didn't. And this hasn't really ever happened before in F1's history. And they clearly don't have any, you know, plans to remedy this type of thing yeah they've talked about i guess later in the season having meetings about how to maybe adjust how they handle this situation but again like you said it's a very rare situation and i don't know how you can plan for that 
Like, there's nothing you, you can do. You just need to have a plan B. Right. Either you always say, you know, we'll look at the weather, or we always have a Monday, you know, we always lock off Monday at certain tracks. Let's let's right? get into let's get back to the fun stuff that was happening during the break. We've got some hilarious audio from some of the drivers while they were waiting for the race to eventually not start. Right. So Gasly was all he could think about was eating. He's a big hashtag Formula Brunch guy. <laughs> but I don't know if we would have been able to put his Formula Brunch on our story because he just wanted sausages. <laughs> uh, if you can give me a couple of sausages. Some sausages for me, for the barbecue. Is the race still gonna last two hours, or no, it's uh... Are you thinking about your dinner? I was thinking that we might need some lights, need some lights. Yeah, need some I thought he initially, when I heard it, I thought he was saying, need something light. And I was like, sausages are the opposite of a a light meal. But he was saying, we're gonna need lights if we're actually gonna do like two hours of racing, because there's no sun. Right, I don't blame him. I probably would have been starving too after sitting in a cold car on the grid for, you know, however long that was. Did we ever get a picture of those sausages? (laughs) Did they ever grill them up? He made it sound like they have a grill back there and they're just firing up uh, meats and... And smoking those meats in the Alphatory garage. I don't know, but count me in for yeah. some sausage. And then, true to form, Rye Guy, we had a whole episode in the past joking about <laughs> yeah. Lewis Hamilton's issue with poop and bathrooms, where on his private jet, he wouldn't let the pilot poop on the plane. This is all alleged. These are all, yeah, allegedly. Uh, we dive into it in Pilots Pooping on a Plane or something is the name of the episode, if you want to go back and listen to that. Um and there were whole things about if he had girl his girlfriends or acquaintances over at the house, they would have to use bathrooms away from the kitchen. Yeah, they can't poop in the kitchen bathroom. Yeah, and so Hamilton must have been horrified. He even says here that he's scarred for life by this. But at some point, here's what he discovered when he took a bathroom break during the uh, big delay on Sunday. I'm probably going to have to take a... I'll probably jump out again. Okay, it'll need to be quick. Uh, you've got uh, nine minutes remaining, and we'll need you back in the car. Uh, just to talk to Nate. Uh, he will uh, let you know what it's like on timings. Radio check. And the radio's loud and clear, Lewis. So we've just uh, had another delayed message. Uh, so it'll be nine minutes from now, uh, next formation lap. Nine minutes. On one side. I'm glad I went to the toilet. The one I went to, someone had dropped a crazy bomb in there. It was the worst thing ever. The pros and cons, Lewis. It's going to haunt me for life. So, so will Hamilton ever be able to recover from that haunting bomb he found in the in the toilet? Doesn't sound like it. For as scared of poop as he as it sounds like he is, he's never going to recover. So I want to know if it, he just tinkled or if he, or he himself dropped a deuce. Yeah, in maybe he's just providing cover for himself, right? Oh, man, someone dropped a bomb in there maybe while, while his, he's, you know, wiping. Maybe it was his bomb and he left it in there. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Ryan, yes, that's the question. It begs the question, who was it? There was mention of Ask Nath, you know, about the timing and stuff. Could Nath have just been coming out of the shitter? 
Was Toto in there dropping bombs? Did Valtteri try and get back? I think I for saw Roscoe's shitting in front of his trailer. <laughs> I think I saw on Twitter that some people were saying they could tell from the videos that it was a Pirelli guy. <laughs> oh man, drop this! Drop, drop the super soft in there. He's dropping some heavy rubber. Yeah, in there. <laughs> he has some serious skid marks doing donuts there in Hamilton Shitter. Uh. So, yeah, I mean, there was some entertainment to be found. <laughs> Laying down some serious rubber. Yeah, there was some, yeah, some heavy skid marks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There was some entertainment to be found, despite not having a race. Yeah, and they constantly were mentioning it on the broadcast. And obviously, Hamilton, after the quote-unquote race, was saying the fans should get their money back. And the announcers were, were all saying... You know, hats off to all these fans that are still there, like cheering, as we said, lighting flares off whenever they get any announcement of we might start in this amount of time. I think the fans should be refunded because, look, just put yourself in their shoes, especially if you're traveling internationally to go to the race in Belgium. Because a lot of the fans, it's not, you know, oh, I'm driving down the street to the arena. Plus, F1 races are fucking expensive, dude. Right. So paying hundreds of euro to stand on a hillside that turns into a mudslide. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. There needs to be recourse for this type of event, okay? I don't, like, the fans should be refunded, but I don't think it should come out of the promoter's pocket because no racetrack will be profitable. Yeah, they won't be able to sustain themselves if they're basically paying F1 to put on the race and then having to pay back everybody. Just pull it out. It's not. If they all want to do it and for their own you know, goodwill, I agree with you. They should just pull from the prize pool or carve something out where they can refund everyone who attended and or give them something, some great gift from all the teams or drivers or whatever, right? Yeah, it's not the promoter's fault that it rained all day. It's certainly Formula One's fault and the FIA's fault that they have no processes for an event like this. So that's who should make this situation right. Who has to fall fall on the sword, yeah. I think F1's got to eat this one and refund those or give them preference for tickets to spa next year or something something needs to be done right upgrades for next race if they want to come like give them options you know at or the give very them a, least give them a credit for there's there's so many things you could do but they need to do something they put out a statement today saying we're working on it right because as we mentioned it's also not for most of the fans we imagine it's not just the price of the ticket you're booking travel you're booking so lodging you're doing all these things maybe taking vacation all these things that you know, just giving back a couple hundred quid isn't going to solve, right? Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about the half points being awarded. I'm fucking still shocked and laughing my ass off that they did a podium celebration. Yeah, that was the most awkward thing. Let's let's kind of wrap up what happened. So the clock, they go out there, right, and put in their two, three laps to make it an official event to award half points. And... It becomes, Ryan, also more numerology, the 11th race in Formula One history with zero retirements because the Red (laughs) Bull mechanics were able to put Sergio Perez's car back together. Right. Um, Mazepin ends up with the purple point, so no one gets... That was the question, too. Would you get a half point for the purple point if it had been in the top 10? But we don't have to worry about it because Nikita Mazepin, purple point, so I guess he's the de facto driver of the day as well. He's the only guy who really did anything. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> yeah, which is great. So you have Mick Schumacher with the, the award for the best helmet of the race weekend, the best specialty helmet, and then Mazepin gets the purple point, which is hilarious. Not the point, but fastest lap. And George Russell, Ryan, gets his podium, 
and because the order basically stayed the same. The only shifts were Sergio Perez wrecking on his way to the grid, so he knocks to the back of the order, moving everyone else up, right? And that was the only incident among the top 10, right, to adjust the order. Yeah, I mean, think about it that way. Sergio Perez is the only loser who's a big enough of a loser to have raced backwards in this non-race. Yeah, in a three-lap behind safety car race, he somehow knocks himself He's, out of the top 10. He is the biggest loser Yes, from this weekend. And so, yeah, it was very weird and awkward because it's obviously great for Williams, great for George Russell. We were talking during the summer break, right, about the little lead that Williams had, but it seemed insurmountable for Alfa Romeo. Now... You have Williams get both drivers in the points again and get George Russell second place. So they have just completely, they've locked in eighth place in the constructors. 30 points, I believe, they have now on the season. Um, And yeah, we have to get to this bizarre podium because everyone's sitting around wondering what's going on, sitting in the rain all all day. That's all we need to say is they should have done it. Yeah. So then you have, I, I will say though, I was stoked for it because... The podium graphics were awesome. They finally did the bit, bring the car up with the big LED screen behind it showing highlights, then the big LED podium. Even on the steps of the podium, you had the LED graphics spinning around Ferrari Trento, what place they were in, right? Yeah, I got a kick out of that because that's such a brilliant sponsorship because it's called Ferrari Trento. So even if Ferrari's not on the podium, you still get... They're always on the podium. Ferrari, in some form or fashion, is on every podium now. Exactly. I was just chuckling to myself mostly because i was still laughing that they were even doing a podium but then i saw all three drivers up there george russell somehow and under all their feet it says ferrari yeah (laughs) and of course the commentary booth was joking about how the whole podium celebration was longer than any actual laps that were turned on sunday yeah another fun fact which i really get a kick out of the race officially lasted three minutes and 27 seconds the f1 theme song it's three minutes and 28 seconds long. So, so the theme song is long. They couldn't even match <laughs> the length of the fucking theme song. Yeah. Craziness. And yeah, just a weird, bizarre podium that you have, you know, because Hamilton obviously wasn't up for it because it took a dent, put a dent in his lead and Mercedes lead in the constructor. And pretty much everyone no one got to do anything. Pretty Max much and George. Max and George are the only ones who are kind of cool with the way things shook out. <laughs> yeah, but we have to, Ryan, get into... Let's just talk real quick about what this means for Williams in their fight against Alfa Romeo. Yeah, it's over. Alfa Romeo's fucked now. It was the knockout. Like we said, they've locked up eighth in the constructors. Yes, this non-Grand Prix of a Grand Prix. The non-Prix. The it's non-Prix. The, the Belgian non-Prix. Yeah, was this was the dagger in Alfa Romeo's heart. They're going to have to have a freak show result to beat Williams now. It's n- there's no freak show results that would result in them <laughs> jumping Williams anymore. You say that, but crazier things have happened in Formula One. Yeah, we all, all we talked about already is how Raikkonen has one foot out the door, so I don't think that they're going to be able to put it together. Yeah, but races have been so nuts this season. There's opportunity it's everywhere. It's true. No, I agree. There's still, you're telling me there's a chance. There's 17 points behind. They're, they just need to like two shock results and they can get back in it. Yeah. Aren't they 27 points behind? I thought it was 30 to three. Maybe this isn't updated then, this list. No, it is. It's 20 to three. 20. Sorry. I was saying 30. Yeah. 17 points. They can find a way. Life finds a way, as we know. Yes. 
So, Ryan, let's get into the trophy. Not a fan of this trophy. I think it's the same one as last nope. year. Very it looks boring. like it's under construction, like they were busy forming it into a solid trophy and just quit and didn't have enough metal to connect it at the end. Wouldn't that be apropos for what we saw on Sunday? The trophy's incomplete. The race was incomplete. And you can maybe put like an ounce of liquid in this trophy before it would start spilling out of the big crevice in the one side of it. So not a fan of this trophy. If you're not going to have it where you can drink out of it, go go bonkers with some crazy design, right? That's true. Or just make one that you can drink out of. Yeah. Or just do the right thing and make it so you can actually utilize it as a vessel in your hashtag formula brunch. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Ryan, as we said, the Belgian non-pre, the Belgium non-pre this weekend. Thankfully, we're going to be right back on track in Zandvoort, which should be, we assume, bonkers because the Orange Army is going to be going insane. They go insane already at flyaway races in Europe that they have to go to, either long drives or flights. Imagine that home race for the prodigal son, Max Verstappen. I just hope we get a nice aerial aerial shot from the helicopter in Zandvoort where the security line is like four miles long because they're frisking every single person for orange flares. Yeah, and it's right by the, the coastline, so you might have yeah, that... Zandvoort is a beach town. Yeah, you might have that line going into the into the, <laughs> into the the water. You're going to have people getting... Yeah. You know, the surf is crashing onto people's backs that are waiting in line with their flares either up their butts or in Ziploc bags to keep them from getting wet. Oh, the places where these Dutch fans will hide their flares. Yeah, you know they're going to find a way to get them into Zandvoort. But a lot that we can get into, Ryan, in the... Zandvoort preview later this week before the race because this is the crazy bank turns. They're going nuts with promoting it in Holland. So this is going to be great. Yeah, it's a legacy track that's back on the calendar now, which is very cool. Which is always awesome because when they do those teasers heading into the race weekend and they show the action spots, you're going to be able to pull some epic old footage of races at Zandvoort. Yep. So thank you all for joining Purple Sector for our Belgian Grand Recap, the uh, non-pre that happened, as we mentioned, at Spa this past weekend. Hit us up, 904-8PURPLE. That's 904-878-7753. Follow at Purple Sector Pod on social media. And make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods. Go give us. We appreciate a rating and a review for the show. And keep spreading the word. Y'all are doing the Lord's work. Bry guy. Let's head to Zandvoort. We need to get some some racing, some actual Sunday action this no, weekend. No rain dances. No more rain dances. Yeah, take take a weekend off on the rain dances, and we'll start it up again after the race, the Dutch Grand Prix. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in, and see y'all on the track. So we've just uh, had another delayed message, uh, so it'll be nine minutes from now.
Uh, next formation lap, nine minutes. On one side, I'm glad I went to the toilet. The one I went to, someone had dropped a crazy bomb in there. It was the worst thing ever. The pros and cons, Lewis. It's gonna haunt me for life. <laughs> 